the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Gorgeous day, plenty of sun, 76 the high, breezy, clear skies tonight. Low 55 tomorrow and Sunday, let's do it again. Sunny and breezy tomorrow, 79 the high. Lots of sun, Sunday high 80. May get some rain the tail end of the weekend, uh, perhaps Sunday night. Another win for the Eagles last night. Wasn't pretty, but they got it. They got that win, 34-28 over Minnesota. Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni after the game. You know, it's way easier to, to correct when you're 2-0 and, and you know, no, one, no one's feelings are in it, you know, and so we, we can really we can really press in, in this meeting tomorrow that we're going to have with the players and, and hold ourselves accountable as coaches and hold them accountable as players, and that's what we'll do. And so, obviously, we're not playing. We didn't play our cleanest game. You know, I think the first, the first week was a little bit of a more clean game for the defense than not as clean for the offense and a little bit vice versa uh, tonight. So, we're 2-0, and and a lot of teams would like to be sitting at 2-0. and And like I said, when you're in this position and guys don't know that we're not playing to our the best of our abilities, you know, you can really that's where you can make a lot of growth. Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni, also after the game, quarterback Jalen Hurts. I think we're, we're a work in progress. We're a work in progress. What better way to be a work in progress than sitting in two, two wins out the gate in 10 days or however many days it was. So look, you know, we strive for progress, not perfection. And obviously we all have a standard for ourselves. Obviously, we demand the most of ourselves because of everything that we go through together, all the work that we put in together, and all of those things. We're just going to continue to keep chipping away. You know, we understand that this, um, as we continue to climb this mountain and we go go on, there'll be different challenges that come along. But the only thing that, that matters is winning. Truly, only thing that matters is winning. And so I think if we can continue to develop, grow, uh, learn, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes, learn from all of these different things, all of these different things. In fact, the same things that I'm saying now, I'd be saying if we lost. Um, but the reality is, you know, winning is the only thing that matters and everything is done with winning in mind. And for us, we just want to continue to grow as a team, continue to develop and um, find that identity, you know, find that identity for us and, and continue to grow together. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, sound courtesy of PhiladelphiaEagles.com. DeAndre Swift, 175 yards rushing, had a touchdown. Devontae Smith, four catches, 131 yards, a touchdown for him as well. Philly is at St. Louis tonight at 8.15, coming down the home stretch of their season. Mentioned yesterday how Mark Recchi, just before the show, got an email that he had been elected to the Flyers Hall of Fame. He was one of my favorite Flyers. He uh, was with the Penguins first, and then he came to the Flyers in a trade in the early 90s and led the team in scoring. And he was on my fantasy hockey team. I loved, I loved the fact that he was always scoring points, and he was a goal scorer. Uh, 22 years, 10 of those in Philadelphia. He was traded away and then came back 
On the Flyers list, so to speak, he's 6th all-time in assists, tied for 12th in goals and overall ninth in scoring. So when you add the assists and goals together, and when he was here in Philadelphia, he had a couple of stints, as I mentioned. He was asked uh, during a Zoom call I was on what his uh, favorite moment as a Flyer was. I scored my 400th goal there, which was great on a personal note, but my favorite moments were the two runs we had with with the organization with the, and with the players we had and and we were really tight group and really enjoyed each other and just you know we were a team that we felt if we got to the finals we had an opportunity to win championships we just didn't quite get there but those to me are my favorite moments because when you get those special bonds you know with a group of guys and and the feeling you have in the dressing room every day it just it's really awesome and and you know those those moments to me are kind of what make everything and you know you can have some individual stuff but to me it's all there's nothing better than being with teammates that you love to be with and want to be with and so unfortunately we never got the job done but you know when you you have a couple good runs it's uh, still pretty neat mark recce of the flyers in the past and they'll be in the flyer hall of fame the election ceremony for that induction will be in january uh, on that team theme he actually is the answer to the trivia question which flyer had the most successful season in terms of points scored an individual record of 123 points in 1992-93. The first year he was here full-time, 53 goals that year, 70 assists. Uh, what does he think about that record? Well, like individual things are great. You know, ultimately we didn't get to the Stanley Cup, which was your ultimate goal every year. But, I mean, it is nice to have that. I mean, we had a pretty decent year, and it's always nice to have that, to know that you're trying, you're helping out the team what you're supposed to be doing, you're doing your job. And I, I was doing my job and I was helping the team and, you know, trying to be successful. And, you know, so I was doing my part, but, you know, it's all at the end of the day, it's all about the team and, and what that, how successful they are. And, you know, the individual stuff's awesome. I mean, to be Bobby Clark record to me is, you know, is incredible. I mean, obviously, you, you know, you grew up watching him. Uh, I grew up watching him and to know what type of player he is and to get to know him and know what type of person he is and, you know, to be around him on a day-to-day basis was uh, was unreal. And to, to be able to get ahead of him was pretty surreal and, uh, you know, pretty amazing. Again, it's Mark Recchi on a Zoom call yesterday. The year, to his point, the year that he set that record, the Flyers were as as even as you could get in terms of their team success. I think they won 36 and lost 37 and tied 11 games, and they actually scored the same amount of goals they gave up. It was like right down the middle. So, yeah, it's great to, to mean you're, you're contributing, as he's talked about, I'm doing my job, but overall, you really want the team to do well. Uh, the, one of the clips I want to play for you from Recchi talks about moving forward in the future. If you're a Flyer fan, you're, you're aware there have been a number of former Flyers that have been gradually making their way back into the mix, but not from the uh, Bobby Clark era or, or what soon followed. Uh, there have been a lot of Flyers from that cloth in the mix and have done a, a great job. But, you know, they want to see if they can get back to the Cup and win one. It hasn't been since I was a little kid in the 70s that they won back-to-back Stanley Cups. So Danny Briere, their general manager, also recently Keith Jones brought on board uh, Patrick Sharp and John LeClaire. They call he calls Sharp Sharpie. This is his uh, Mark Recchi's thoughts because Mark is from that era. I, I would not be shocked to see Mark Recchi part of the Flyers fabric before long. Oh man, I'm so excited for them. You know, obviously they've had some great management and, and they've done some great things there. And but I'm really excited what uh, you know with Keith and and Danny Briere and, and Torts and and the group and Johnny and obviously Johnny Sharpie. You know they. They understand the culture that needs to be to be a successful organization and to be a winning organization. And, you know, they're taking those steps. I mean, I've spent a lot of time, you know, with the alumni stuff with them. And and, and I just think they've already done a terrific job. They've been open and honest right now, which is 
perfect. Like, you know, they're going to rebuild. They're going to rebuild this franchise and they're going to do it right. And they're going to take their time and do it the proper way. And knowing those guys and playing against Danny Breer, I, I know him some, but playing against him, knowing competitive he is. And I think they're headed in the right direction. I'm excited about where their direction is going. And, you know, as the next flyer, I'm I'm excited about it. I truly am. And, you know, I know what they want to do and I know they, they know how to build a winning culture. And that's that's so important. And John LeClaire, Patrick Sharp. I mean, you look at all the Stanley Cups they, they've won, you know, with the group they brought in. And that's that's extremely important, in my opinion. They know what the winning culture is. Yeah, Mark and Mark Recchi, former Flyer, inducted in the Flyers Hall of Fame, named to it, and he'll be uh, part of a ceremony in January 2024. Speaking of uh, knowing how to win, Mark himself won three Stanley Cups, one with Pittsburgh, one with Carolina, and one with Boston. The only team missing really on that list, the Flyers. I think he had a cup of coffee with another team too. So uh, again, I, am not, I would not be surprised to see him brought in. It is it is something when you have someone who knows how to win as part of your culture, whether it's a coach, an advisor, or something like that. Uh, so there you go. And, you know, before long, you've got a, a, an Eagles team that's exciting. Uh, the Phillies team is doing well. See if the Sixers can get over the hump in, in this coming season. And maybe the Flyers will be back before you know it. But they are taking their time and trying to do it right, as Mark Recchi said. Lastly, on the Voice of the Martyrs scoreboard, we're up to 43 listeners. Very exciting. Just checked and put that update on our homepage. Thank you to Teresa in Philadelphia, Susanna in Woodland, New Jersey, Eric in Hatfield, Stacy in Philly, Donna in Swedesboro, also Doris in Cherry Hill. We're asking folks to do a single Bible for $6 to bless our brothers and sisters around the world, part of the persecuted church, countries like China, Ukraine, and North Korea. One Bible, $6. You can do more, but really, we're glad to have you do one for $6. Our goal is awareness as much as anything of the persecuted church, of the work the Voice of the Martyrs is doing. So if you want to help out, 800-998-3505, 800-998-3505. Our station family goal, 120 listeners. We're at 43 at the moment. I can check that even during the show and update it on our homepage. Look for that over the weekend, too, because it's fun to watch the number climb as more and more listeners get involved. Again, 800-998-3505 or right on our homepage at WFIL.com. One Bible, $6 is all we are after. Scott Wilder with Voice of the Martyrs joined our program, talked about it. It's about the number of hearts that we are wanting to connect to our brothers and sisters over there. It's not about how much money. It's not about what you give. It's about that you give. It's about that you participate. And so we celebrate every single one. You know, the, the, we heard the story before in church that, you know, the, 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 the chorus of, of praise rings from one end of heaven to the other. Uh, every time one person comes to Christ. It doesn't matter if that person has lived a relatively sinless life, a little six-year-old or seven-year-old that comes to Christ, or someone that's a 56-year-old or 57-year-old has lived a debaucherous life or even a murderous life. In the case of Saul that comes to Christ, uh, the, the, the cheers that ring out across heaven are not greater. They're the same because it is one person who was bound for a Christless eternity in hell and who will spend eternity with Jesus, with the Father, with those who have called on the name of Jesus. And so in the very same spirit, the very same way, we're not talking about uh, how much you do 
uh, we're talking about that you are a part of it today. And so uh, thank you, Arthur, for joining. We've been praying for you, Arthur and Eric. Uh, 800-998-3505, 800-998-3505, or online at WFIL.com. That's Scott Wild again, who joined us a couple weeks ago as we got our partnership underway. Thanks again to all who have helped out. Really excited uh, for, and this, by the way, parenthetically, uh, there are a lot of contests going on. I've mentioned this recently. Just get to WFIL.com as soon as you get a chance, and you'll find free stuff. There's contests going on. We'll try and weave that in throughout the rest of the program to let you know more specifically. But definitely check it out. There's at least a half a dozen things you can enter or just have free at WFIL.com. Uh, I'm excited about today's program, our famous Friday show. A couple special guests coming up in just a couple moments. Jim uh, Capobianco, he is a writer and director and producer of this new uh, film called The Inventor. It's about Leonardo da Vinci. And you'll know him for many things. First of all, he was actually born, he's local, Saddlebrook, Saddlebrook New Jersey. Uh, but he worked at Disney for a while, and he worked on Lion King, Hunchback and Notre Dame, Fantasia 2000. He joined Pixar in the late 90s, worked on A Bug's Life, contributed to Toy Story 2, and also worked on Monsters, Inc. and Finding Nemo. So his resume is pretty good, and he helped craft a screenplay for Ratatouille. And so now he had, and he even worked on Wally. Um, so he's he's lived a life of of animation and creation and creativity. And this new uh, film is uh, called again called The Inventor. It's involved. What's involved is a special uh, technology. It's a combination of stop motion puppet and hand drawn animation. So it's different. It doesn't have the CGI computer generated stuff. It's a stop motion puppet and hand drawn animation. So we'll talk with him about that, about the creation of the inventor. And then we also have Daniel Gill, American Ninja Warrior champion and author of the book Kingdom Ninja joining our program. So it's a fine show. And we also have our fine pun segment to cap things off. Now that's punny on the back end. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560, WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. It is 418 on the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL in Philadelphia. Thank you for t- uh, tuning in. Looking forward now to bringing on board Jim Capobianco. He's an Oscar-nominated writer of Ratatouille and has worked on many other films over the course of his career, Lion King, Hunchback and Notre Dame, uh, also uh, A Bug's Life, and Monsters, Inc., and Finding Nemo. And now he, as the writer, director, and producer of The Inventor, joining our program. Very uh, glad to have you on board. Jim, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? Wonderful. Thanks for taking time to chat today and congratulations on the inventor thanks for having me yeah i understand this has been a a labor of love for a long time i'd love for you to share if you would a a bit of the backstory because i i hear it's been marinating and percolating for quite some time as you've been even working on other things too that's true yeah i was uh it's been going on now for well it took us 12 years to make it um 10 years of that was just finding money and, and raising funds because it's really an independent animated movie, so it, it, which is kind of rare, definitely in the U.S. <laughs> so it took 10 years to find money, two and a half years probably to make do the production. And uh, 
and which is kind of quick for an animated movie at uh, that part of it. So, um, but yes, it's been a long time coming. I had the idea after making a short film about Leonardo da Vinci to explore him a little further. And, um, yeah, I really wanted to explore this aspect of him. That's more of a bring him down to kind of a human level to learn about him more as a person than as the genius up on the pedestal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, learning about him, you learn he had a boss and he had to find work and he, he got distracted from things and he thought he failed a lot and never completed his projects, uh, or thought he didn't finish them. So I just really real human elements. And I wanted to tell a story that touched on that aspect and that, you know, would bring him closer to people than distance him as a genius. Cause most of us are not geniuses. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, that was kind of the impetus for the story. It really comes across. I felt like I was learning out of the gate. I almost felt not qualified to watch it, so to speak, if that makes any sense. Uh, well, and, and really? so, yeah, well, some of, some of that's like me. Well, some of that is me. Like when I'm watching anything, I want to know like, okay, who's that guy? My kid's like, dad, you just let it, let it play. <laughs> Cause I'm always asking questions. They're like, just let it, it'll come to you. And that's what I found as I was watching. I was like, oh, I didn't. And it's partly cause I was learning. There was so much about Da Vinci. I did not know like being, a, I guess a mortician of sorts. I mean, with the, with the autopsies and stuff, uh, and I'm like, wow, I, I think of him Mona Lisa. I think of him in the painting part of things. But I, I guess I had forgotten about all the other things he did. So it served. I just gave it a little bit of time and it started to come to me, so to speak. And that must have been I was thinking for your purposes to make sure that nothing got left out because there's the historical mm -hmm. part you want to be accurate with. Right. And what, I'm guessing there was some collaboration with other experts and other people to make sure that this is the story we want to tell before you even decide how you're going to tell it. Yeah, you know, I did have some people I could turn to. Um, I know the people at the Museo Galileo in Florence, also connected with the Ambrosiana in Milan, and then also Claude Lusset in France, where he lived in Amboise. Wow. So in researching it, I, I did talk to those experts. I visited Amboise. I really wanted the film to, I knew I would get people going, you know, is that real, you know, or that's not true or, you know, um, so I wanted it to have a, a bed of fact. So there, most of the stuff in the film is factual to some extent. Some stuff doesn't necessarily follow the timeline, but it is, but it is still not a documentary, right. you know, right. so it has to be a narrative and it's also an animated narrative. So there's a lot of artistic license, if you will, with, uh, the way things are told the, the, you know, and I think this is true of any biographical film is that you do mix the timelines up a little bit and you try to, you know, make it as dramatic and as interesting as you possible as a story. And yet funny. Um, and yet there was a lot of humor. And funny. Yeah. Right? You need to bring humor into it. So, and was that, um, did you find that some of the, what you were researching was, in, in, in and of itself, a bit humorous, even not in a laugh out loud way mm -hmm. necessarily, because you're, you're talk, talking about some heavy su subjects at times, even whether it's Da Vinci's loneliness, which, you know, people may not re realize he might have been like, I think I read the smartest guy in the room in the director statement, but he might have felt lonely, yeah. right? Uh, or meaning of life questions and all that. But to have the humorous touch, I think, softens it. 
Yeah, you know, definitely in looking at their facts or research, I did find I, I love that. I love putting in these things I find funny into it. And I go, how can I add that in? Like there's um, the mo- there's a moment in the film where King Henry VIII, who really did visit Francis the first. It was about ten years after Leonardo was there, though. Yeah. Um, and he did visit, and he did bring his own castle. So <laughs> it was like a prefabricated castle, yeah. and I thought that's funny. I mean, so yes. Um, so I-, I wanted to put that in. I mean, it's just odd. It's so weird. So I was like, and it wasn't that it was like. All right, I got to fit that in somehow. It's more like, oh, the story is moving in a way. And I'm like, oh, wouldn't that be an interesting aspect to it? And, oh, that'll work really well in this moment. So to me, it's always coming from the character and the story you're trying to tell. And then you can layer in these things that will make it richer and and hopefully, in this respect, funnier. Um, yeah. So yeah, the film has little touches of that throughout. I mean, there's magical things too, like you know Leonardo. There's a lion in it, a mechanical lion, and he really did create this lion, a ta- uh, uh, like a robotic lion. And there's writings about it. There's even like, um, wow, I did you know, second person, third person, like you know, second person, like witnesses of it that like talk about it. So interesting. It's not like it you know, it's just in his drawings and people imagined it would have been there, but it really was this sort of, and how much it moved, we can't tell, but, um, but to me, that's cool. And then you're like, well, I want to put that in, you know? Uh, So things like that, you know, you're just trying to, what can enrich the story as much as you, you can from the the facts. You did the inventor, I guess, from a craft standpoint, stop motion puppet and hand-drawn animation, not the computer graphics part. Talk about that. My son's a film uh, teacher in Florida and uh, he's in his fourth year and he, they do a film every summer, low, you know, what the budget they can get together, but they do a film every summer. I always love asking someone who's working with these types of things and certainly your craft on this. What, what was that uh, clear to you? You were going to do that ahead of time or, and what goes into doing that or challenges you might have? Yeah, it was definitely clear to me to do it that way. I really wanted to make it with the, two hand crafted forms of animation you know you have three forms cg stop motion drawn animation are the major animated forms yeah and i i really wanted to do it that way because it's very da vinci to me it's like you know built puppets and uh, with an armature and made of metal and uh, all these different aspects of craftsmanship go into stop motion and then drawn animation you have the drawings and, and like his sketches. And so those to me felt very Leonardo da Vinci like. So from the beginning, I wanted to do that. And plus I love those art forms. So hmm. I wanted to tell it that way and, um, uh, and not with computers. Is there any particular stop on your professional journey, considering all the different things you've done looking back that might've been the most helpful for you in putting the inventor together? Um, I mean, I feel like it's the whole career kind of culminates in this moment okay. in the sense of what I've done in the past. I've always loved drawn animation and that definitely that love filters in my work on Ratatouille, writing it would have helped for sure. I was the first time I really in a big way, uh, wrote, um, for animation. I, my career in animation is in story development. And we do that through drawings, through storyboarding and, and drawing characters and stuff and, and in a way supporting the writers. But then it's also a process of writing in itself. 
writing with pictures yeah. and back and forth. And so that work, um, led to this, um, you know, just working with teams. I've worked, directed different, different diverse groups of people and, and diverse films like Mary Poppins returns and directing the 2d team there and figuring that all out. And that's a mixture of live action and drawn animation. So yeah. I've always loved mixing up the mediums. Um, so like I made a short film called your friend, the rat, and it's a mixture of drawn animation at Pixar drawn animation that's stop motion animation, even in computer animation. Wow. And wow. I just love that mixing them up. So I, it was fun to make the inventor that way too. Well, congratulations on it. We really do appreciate your time. And uh, it was quite a, quite a, a film to watch. I checked it out before we had a chance to talk today and uh, really like it a lot. So Congratulations. I'm sure after all that work that went into it, it's great to have it finally coming out. Yeah, no, it's exciting. And thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Jim Capobianco, Oscar nominated writer of Ratatouille and writer, director and producer of the brand new The Inventor. You listen to the Tim DeMoss show on WFIL. Brief break. Shortly, we'll be having Daniel Gill, American Ninja Warrior champion and author of the book Kingdom Ninja joining us on our famous Friday show. And uh, just for fun right now, let's throw in a random giveaway. The next three folks who text our text line at 610-500-DOVE get a free gift card to Wawa. $5.60. Just a little thank you for listening. 610-500-DOVE is our text line. 610-500-3683. You text that with your uh, name and address, and uh, we'll mail that out to you. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 4.33, the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL in Philadelphia. Congratulations to Pat in Thoroughfare, New Jersey. Just texted in, picking up a free gift card to Wawa. We still have a couple more you can win if you want a quick text in. 610-500-DOVE. 610-500-36. 83 gift cards courtesy Briner Chevrolet in Jenkintown. Uh, quick reminder, I mentioned at the top of the show, we have a lot of contests and things going on right now. And I just want to point one of them out. Uh, it's, it's more of a feature. We do it often, not every single month, but most months we have a ministry of the month. And right now, Pastor Rick's Daily Hope with Rick Warren is our ministry of the month for, uh, for what month are we in? September. Yeah. Had to think about it. Two o'clock each weekday afternoon, you can catch that program and Sunday mornings at 10. And every weekday in this month, we are giving away Pastor Rick's new book, Created to Dream, the six phases God uses to grow your faith. You can enter right on our homepage at WFIL.com. There's also a grand prize, which includes that daily prize, plus Pastor Rick's classic, The Purpose Driven Life, and much more. So check it out, WFIL.com. And you can also go to the contest page. And you'll find uh, it there, but also a bunch of other contests, too. So help yourself to that. Have some fun over the weekend and get entered. Speaking of having fun and also encouragement-wise, we're bringing on a special guest now, Daniel Gill. He's an American Ninja Warrior champion and author of the book American, uh, sorry, Kingdom Ninja. Daniel, uh, how's it going, man? It's going well, Sam. Thanks for taking time to chat today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Excited to be here. You know, uh... You were at the Ocean City Tabernacle this summer in Jersey. We have worked with them a number of times the past few years. And uh, I saw oh, wow. the, yeah, I saw the video of the service where you spoke. And I thought, just like in your talk that day, I'd 
throw it to you about one of your favorite verses, Proverbs eighteen twenty two. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Yeah, tell us about your, your amazing wife and the managing she does for you. Oh, my gosh. I, I would not be the man that I am today if not for the the amazing, incredible just gifts that I have in my wife, Abby. She is absolutely perfect in uh, the sense that all of my downsides, all of my, my shortcomings, she excels in those areas. So she she manages me and all my endeavors, and we work together, which not a lot of couples can do. But we we work really well, and even the times that we you know face those those you know uh, difficult conversations, um, we we get through them. And obviously, it's easy for me because I'm like, all right, I'll love my wife well, I'll, I'll sacrifice in this moment. Or actually, now that I'm thinking about it, she was absolutely right. Dang it, I have to go tell her that. <laughs> so I, I love traveling with my wife. She goes with me everywhere for events and absolutely like merchandise and stuff so we're a great team and we'll continue doing that for as as long as we're able to what a blessing and i'm guessing she was uh, involved in the writing of kingdom ninja or just being nearby and helping be part of it how did that work yeah no I mean, she was with me she was you know my, my muse of sorts now we do a, a children's book together where she does all the illustrations and then we we write it together with this particular book kingdom ninja warrior's guide to physical, mental, and spiritual health. This was more me. She said, Daniel, I want this to be your book. I want you to write anything that you feel, anything that is on your heart. And so I wrote down, it's, it's my biography. So my life up until this point, as well as, you know, again, the three-part focus on, on, you know, overcoming physical obstacles or mental challenges or even the, the spiritual lives that we live. And so this one was, was all me, and I just prayed, I was like, God, help me to write a resource that will truly in, encourage, inspire, and point people to a higher place. And so I could not be more proud of how this book turned out. I mean, the photos, the visuals are just stunning and turned out so, so well, as well as, you know, the different exercises and, you know, recipes that I add in there. I mean, whether you're an elite-level athlete or just a fan of the show that, you know, wants better understanding and wants to, to take better ownership of their own health and wellness, this book is definitely for them. What are a couple of main things maybe you hope that someone who picks it up and goes through, each person will take away different things, but are there a couple of things closest to your heart that you hope readers of Kingdom Ninja will come away with and benefit from? Absolutely. I think the just mindset, I, I, I talk a lot about mindset and that, you know, every opportunity that we get, you know, any, any you know, the outcomes don't necessarily have to define us. We don't need to find our identity in, you know, the, the outcomes of a, a competition or of a, a goal that we've set our sights on. Honestly, if learning is the, the goal, then it doesn't matter what the outcome is because you can learn from every experience. You can add that to your, your knowledge. You can take the necessary steps to grow from that to where you don't have to repeat the same mistakes. I'm okay with making mistakes, and I know that's inevitable in life. I just don't want to find myself repeating the same mistake over and over again. Yeah. To me, that's a greater defeat than losing a competition. When viewers have watched uh, American Ninja Warrior, uh, what what is there something they might not know in terms of your craft? How it works. Uh, we did have, I think it was Caden Lesbeck on, who won a season or two recently. He said something about the course, like you don't, I think he said you don't know what it's going to be till you're there, which I can't imagine being the, that being the case. How would you possibly know this is the first time you're seeing it or something? I think, is that, is that true? Yeah, that is absolutely true. What, what you see on television 
is the very first time that we touch those obstacles on those courses. And we don't even know what those obstacles are going to be until we show up on the competition day or at the site. And it is just, it is the most unforgiving sport that I've ever been involved in. It's the most humbling sport that I've ever been involved in because you can be the strongest, the fastest, have the best track record, and then go down early in competition because a new obstacle didn't move the way or feel the way that you thought it would. And so adaptability is key. And another thing is people might not realize, but what you see on TV, when we film those competitions, that filming takes place between 9.30 p.m. at night and then until the sun comes up the next morning. So most of my runs as an athlete on the show have been between 2.30 and 4.30 a.m. That's nuts. Wow. Do you do you have a specific strategy? I'm just thinking like the balancing, moving quickly, knowing, but also knowing where to pause and gather your thoughts, but you can't overthink either. Maybe it's not the natural side of you is better to just let that go. I, I, I'm guessing that that depends on the course, perhaps. Yeah, it depends on the course. It depends on the obstacles themselves. But honestly, you want to be so familiar with, with moving your, your body through the air, that spatial awareness and that grip strength to be physically strong enough. You want to be almost on autopilot where you're not so worried or so concerned about the next movement as you are just staying focused on your breathing, staying focused on, you know, your, your time that you're, you're running against the clock. Uh, you you want to be so immersed in your sport that it comes naturally. It's almost like second nature. And I think the best athletes perform at that level where they're just they're not even having to think about every little thing. They're focused on the greater picture of breathe, focus. What's the next you know few steps I'm going to take? Not all the delicate intricacies of their their you know the the function of their sport. And I do that as well with with ninja. Yeah, yeah, first. Well, and I was also thinking one of the thing that maybe with the book, uh, Amer- uh, Kingdom Ninja, the the different parts you emphasize: physical, mental, spiritual. Uh, back to the Ocean City Tabernacle uh, opportunity. There's something you said that my wife often says that I used to complain about it a little bit, but then I've grown to really appreciate it. And that thing is uh, pursuing pursuing God as opposed to pursuing American Ninja Warrior to be on the show or anything in life is the most fulfilling and impactful way of living. Uh, and, and she will say to me a lot of times when I'm trying to strategize and pray and think and all that, she says, Tim, it's just just follow the Lord, and he'll take care of all that other stuff. And it, I used to think that's too simple. Like, what does that look like? So that's what I want to ask you. What does that look like? Because you sounded like my wife that day. <laughs> and I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think for me, the greatest fulfillment that I have in life came in my high years when I really took ownership of my faith. I said, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, grew up in a faith-filled environment, but in my years I said, God, I'm not just going to live off the faith of my pastors or my parents. God, if I truly believe what what I've been grown and and led to believe, I'm going to live that out. I'm going to pursue knowledge of who you are and what your character and your nature. I'm going to go to church, not because because it's full of perfect people, because it's not. Churches are full of imperfect people that are just saved and forgiven. I said, God, I'm going to go there. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to spend time with like-minded people, and I'm going to live my life pursuing walk with you. Because if you truly are the God of the universe, then there is no greater call than to pursue you with everything that I have. And so my identity comes who I am and whose I am, and everything. Everything else that I do in life, whether as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, as a motivational speaker, all these things 
that make the rest of my life, none of those had the same level of foundation or depth to my life than my, my uh, identity as a Christian, as a Christ follower. And so there's no greater life for me to live. And, man, I've seen time and time again coming up short on American Ninja Warrior, and yet it's not half as devastating as it would be for any other athlete because that's not where I find my, my purpose. Yeah. It's not. It's a great season of my life, but that's not where I find my identity. I, that comes from my walk with the Lord. Amen. Daniel Gill, congratulations. Author of Kingdom Ninja. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. You as well. All right. Daniel Gill, again, American Ninja Warrior champion, author of the book Kingdom Ninja. We've had a fine bro- uh, broadcast, and it's going to get even finer with our pun segment in just a little bit. Uh, a lot happening. I want to congratulate also as a John in uh, Wrightstown texted in and got a gift card for John to Wawa. We have one more if you want to text in. First person to text our text line at 610-500-DOVE. And I do say text it, don't call it. Sometimes people call it and it will ring because it's an actual phone. But uh, we're looking for texts. Uh, the next person in will get a gift card to Wawa, courtesy of Browner Chevrolet in Jenkintown, 610-500-DOVE. You can have that text line handy and text anytime you want. Something comes to mind. If you ever want to text some puns in, we can use for the pun segment, whatever. We want to be accessible that way. So feel free anytime. Text line is 610-500-3683. 610-500-DOVE. And we'll get the next person a gift card who text in. Quick break. We'll come back. A couple other things that run by you. And then, well, that's punny. That's all on the way next. Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. It's 447 on the Tim DeMoss Show. Before our pun segment gets rolling, a couple quick reminders of what's going on. Oh, congratulations to, who was it? Just texted in Karen. Texted in and uh, picks up a gift card courtesy of Reiner Chevrolet, Karen in Philadelphia. Thanks for doing that. We'll do some more giveaways next week. Um, let's see. So, but, but speaking of giveaways, we have right now a quiz and survey on our site. It's 12 question, multiple choice, all about Apple's quiz. It's fun. It's getting to be that time of year. You take that, you could win a family pack of six tickets to Highland Orchards in Westchester and a book from a national ministry and a WFIL t-shirt or hat. Our latest mini survey asks, what's your favorite apple entree, side dish, or dessert? Answer that single question. And you also go on a drawing to win a book from a national ministry and a WFIL t-shirt or hat. So take the quiz and survey at WFIL.com while you're there. Might as well jump in the $18,000 gas and groceries giveaway. You can actually enter that every day over the next few weeks. You can win a grand prize of gas and groceries for a year, up to $10,000 worth. Other winners picking up up to $500 or $1,000 in said gas and groceries. There's also a book we're handing out, Recipes for a Sweet Child, uh, Creative Bible-Based Activities to Help Your Family Thrive by author Katie J. Trent. We had her on the program recently. It's a full-color recipe book designed to help you teach your kids how to apply biblical wisdom and gain valuable insight in overcoming various battles they face. Don't forget our book of the month. Are we there yet? My journey from a messed up to a meaningful life by comedian Jeff Allen. It's our parent company, Salem's book of the month. And there's more stuff you can get, including that free downloadable guide from discovering the Jewish Jesus and Rabbi Schneider. So WFL.com is where you go to be part of that. Uh, all of that said, it's now time for the a wonderful, amazing program, uh, Capper. Now that's plenty. Okay. You willing to go along for the ride again? I'm here. 
We're going to try something different, Doug. No. The very first pun is uh, we're not playing the special music yet because this first pun involves music. Really? Yeah, because uh, I was upset recently. No. Yeah, I found out a song I like by the Black Crows was actually done by Otis Redding. Too hard to handle. It's hard to handle. Too hot to handle. It was hard to handle. Hard to handle. Yes. <laughs> this is where you play the Otis Redding version. Oh. So people can hear what we're talking about. Do I know which button? Okay. This is the Otis Redding one. All righty. And you can hear his uh, kind of a soulful thing. Right? Yeah, that's and I get the Black Crows version. Okay. Yeah, so hit the other one. All right, hold on, hold on. Here we go. Yeah, up to date modern. This is the version I played at the all new all hit B103 in State College, Pennsylvania. Really? Yes. Right? They were like in the early 90s, they were real big. Okay. And I, I didn't know that, you know, every once in a while you hear a song you think is the song. It's like, no, years ago, the song was done by somebody else. And you certainly wouldn't think about the Black Crows. Oh, you can tell it. Unless you want to keep listening to it. We don't have to do the pun side. We just let the song play. I was grooving, man. <laughs> I know you were. <laughs> I don't think you were paying attention to a word I was saying. <laughs> anyway, it happens all the time. You know that song, Always Something There to Remind Me from the early 80s, Naked Eyes, the band? Dion Warwick? Yeah, it's like 30... Years earlier, 20 years earlier. I know. So, well, you would know because you're a music aficionado. Mm-hmm. So there's our musical pun of the week. Maybe that could be a like a new growth of this um, segment. Okay. <laughs> like that thing on your face? <laughs> yeah. So, Doug, my wife uh, and I, Tina, we took up woodworking recently. Oh, wow. Yeah. I like your family. We have a lot of hobbies. <laughs> well, a friend was visiting and said, I didn't know you were carpenters. I said, we've only just begun. <laughs> the carpenters. Yes. Okay. Doug, uh, why did the mechanic sleep under his car? So he doesn't have to get up in the morning? No, so he can get up oily in the morning. Oily <laughs> in the morning. I was close. You were close. You're oily. <laughs> you know, I was an auto mechanic once. Once. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I, I went to jail for stealing tools. I'll admit it. Oh. Uh, it was just a few tools, but I had plier convictions. <laughs> That's why I went to jail. I did for a short time work an, as an electric car mechanic. No, you didn't. I did. No. But I quit because, honestly, it was a tankless job. Pardon me if I laugh. <laughs> That's a pippin'. Doug, what font is typically used in alphabet soup? I don't know. Times New Ramen. (laughs) See, I say ramen. My kids say ramen. No, it's the other way around. When I was in college, I used to say ramen. How do you say it? Ramen. Yeah, I used to say ramen. And my kids laugh at me. Like, everybody loves ramen. Everybody loves ramen. That's apparently how it is. But anyhow. Mm -hmm. Doug, I don't think my dentist likes his job. Why? Well, because he's always looking down in the mouth. <laughs> Excuse me? If you're going to take the job, take the job and be happy about it. <laughs> Doug, who's your favorite actor? Uh, Boy, it's so hard. I'll say Clint Eastwood. Okay. Uh, mine's probably James Spader. James Spader? I like him a lot. Especially in The Practice, if you ever saw that show. I have not. Well, um, our, our electrician was over the other day. He said his was John Travolta. Come on. <laughs> John Travolta. Because uh, so he's, he's, he's an electrician. 
John Travolta. Oh, Travolta. <laughs> I just got shot. It's, <laughs> it's funnier. I have to explain it. Doug, uh, I, this might be news to you, but I'm giving consideration to to moving to Seoul. Who? A, a Seoul. Seoul As, for South Korea? I, I think it could be a good Korea move. He's leaving, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, this is sad news. The guy who invented the remote control just passed away. <laughs> His wife found him at home between two couch cushions. Thank you. <laughs> I took All by myself. Eric Carmen. Yes. Doug, I took a tour at the lumber yard the other day. You have a lot to do. After a while, I got a little bored. Uh, before I came in here for uh, for the show and for the puns, mm-hmm. I got a call from Tina, and she asked, "What are my plans after work?" I said, "Well, I'm going to the eyeglass store with a friend," and she said, "Well, what about after that?" I said, "We'll see." <laughs> Thank you, Doug. I just joined a fitness club. About time. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm on the treadmill and I notice this guy. Like, he's a really idiot. I mean, he put a water bottle in the Pringles holder. What? Oh, he put a water bottle in the where you put the Pringles. How? What, <laughs> what kind of a? Who does that? You'll figure it out sooner or later, Tim. <laughs> I am into fitness. Fitness piece of double pepperoni pizza in my mouth. By the way, you know how some people, when they go work out, they have a, a name for the day, like it's cardio day or oh, right. or upper body day or something. There's legs day, too. And I actually like legs day. So do e- I. Except for the two days after, I, I just can't stand those. Can't stand the two days after. Because mm-hmm. I worked on my legs. Usually happens two days after, yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug, I, uh, you know, one more thing about the fitness club. I actually wound up working there. For a little bit, but I wasn't very strong, so I had to give my two-week notice. <laughs> You're in pain. Is everything okay over there? I'm fine. <laughs> Doug, there's uh, breaking news. You have, you have a I sound of that guy. <laughs> no, besides that, no. <laughs> scientists have now grown vocal cords in a petri dish. Oh boy! Yeah, the results speak for themselves. What would you do with a brain if you had one? That's good. Get the brain in there. Mm-hmm. Way back in college, this is totally unrelated. I just remembered this. Back in college, I dated this girl, and she worked at a light switch factory. Is this the same girl you dated the last time you dated the girl? No, there are a lot of different girls. You know, oh I mean, take a gosh. look. I mean, so, anyhow, so this girl at the light switch factory, she worked there part time during class. And we, you know, we dated off and on. <laughs> Thank you. Did you, that- Did you have the clapper? Doug, do you ever wonder why dogs mm-hmm. complain about barking dogs by barking? We had this conversation, <laughs> didn't we? Yes, we did. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there we go. Feeding right into. Mm-hmm. Doug, why do ambulances always have two people in them when they arrive at the scene? Somebody has to ride shotgun. Because they're paramedics. They're a paramedic. Paramedics. You remind me of the three stooges. Hey! Doug, did you know that Albert Einstein was a theoretical physicist? I thought say that three times. I thought he was real. Say it three times. <laughs> no. Come on. <laughs> did you like the pun? 
theoretical physicist, theoretical physicist, theoretical physicist. How did I do? Not fast enough. Theory of relativity, quantum mechanics, E equals MC squared, all those whoop-de-doos, plus the messy hair. Doug, I was at the beach over the summer, saw a little kid wearing a full-body jalapeno suit. I'm like, what is that? I walked up, I said, uh, are you hot? I, I asked the little kid, he said, actually, I'm a little chilly. Isn't it delightful? Just a couple more, Doug. In fact, just one more. Oh. Uh, I know, it's disappointing. Mm. Feel free to in- include your own here if you wish. <laughs> Uh, I was thinking of getting a massage. You know, it's, it's been stressful lately. I just something to relax. But when I checked the price, it was just really expensive. That rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> and that'll do it for now. That's punny. Have a fine weekend. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed. Have a million dollar weekend. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.